Hello, hello, Heat Nation. Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, the Miami Heat podcast for the OTG Podcast Network. Um, I am technically recording this after uh, midnight, so it is Friday. So yesterday is the trade date le- was the trade deadline, and it was quite. It ended up being quite the eventful trade deadline for Miami. Um, it was kind of a who's who knew really what was going to happen. Uh, there was rumors of Kyle Lowry, but there was definitely some indications that maybe they wouldn't do anything at all. But end of the day, um, I think Miami actually walked away. Like, not trying to be biased. Obviously, it's a Heat podcast. We all love the Miami Heat. But I really do legitimately think the Miami Heat walked away doing a fantastic job at the trade deadline today. Uh, I'd actually also throw in the Orlando Magic and the Chicago Bulls just for, for some of the deals that they got done. But I, I do legitimately think Miami was one of the winners walking away from this. So it wasn't like the traditional way you think of winning a trade deadline, which would be something like, oh, wow, this team landed a superstar player. This was more like... Um, you know, one of the phrases in life is they say, like, you, you can't choose the hand you're dealt, you just can choose how you play it. Miami played their hand very well today. They managed to not only walk away with clearly improving the team, but they didn't really give up much of anything in the grand scheme of things. So, um, real quick, just to get down to, like, the individual trades for today. We had two two primary trades for the Miami Heat. So, the first one was for Nemanja Bielitsa from the uh, Sacramento Kings in exchange for Mo Harkless, who has not played much of Miami. He was given his opportunity at the start of the season, but he didn't really catch on and was able to fill that four spot like we had hoped. So, not much of a loss for Miami there. And um, Mo Harkless and Chris Silva. Chris Silva, uh, definitely there's some good stories around him and just some of the hard work he's put in. But really seemed like an in-a-rotation player, just always picking up fouls is kind of the main thing that I, I always remember him as. Like, high energy, great guy, great character, very limited offensively, and would um, commit way too many fouls. So, really, Miami gave up two players that they weren't really going to use in their rotation anyway. Definitely not in the playoffs, unless it's like a breaking case of emergency kind of thing. And instead, they got Nemanja Bjelica. I've practiced that name a few times, but fortunately, he is Serbian, and I know uh, two Serbian people, so um, I, I've learned a little bit about how to pronounce Serbian names. But <laughs> anyway, he, as a player, he's primarily a stretch four. Like he's not going to do much on offense. He isn't. He's probably going to be more so of a bench player. Like you bring him in, have him play a stretch four, give you some floor spacing. I'd be personally, I'd be very surprised if he starts. I, traditionally, Spo has liked to use a stretch four uh, to put next to Bam Adebayo. So you think like Kelly Olynyk is what we've been rolling with mainly this year. Last year was Myers Leonard, um, Jay Crowder as well as kind of a stretch four. So there, that would be the argument for Bielitsa starting. But still, I think at his age, he's a little bit old. He's about thirty years old. At his age. And given his limits on defense, from what I understand, I'm admittedly he plays for the Kings. I'm sorry, I have not watched a lot of Kings games. There's, I mean, I feel bad for Kings fans. Even Kings fans have a hard time watching Kings games, <laughs> which, uh, but my understanding is he's is, he's not very good on defense. So I wouldn't be surprised if we roll with Trevor Ariza as the starting four, with Bielitsa mainly being like that really big stretch sniper four coming off the bench. The, the other main reason why that, that move was also really good was more so how it positioned Miami later on in the day because it essentially allowed 
the Heat to then use Kelly Olynyk as part of a trade package, which we will get to next. But um, that was the main thing. So, like, Kelly Olynyk is our stretch four, like, the, the more traditional stretch four that we had that can also play a little bit of five as well. Um, so, with Bielitsa on the team now, we can essentially have somebody to fill that role if we needed to jettison a Linux somewhere else, which we did eventually end up doing. Um, a lot of the talk leading to the end of the trade deadline was more so centered around Kyle Lowry. And essentially how that kind of progressed was is most of the other suitors for Lowry, like primarily the Philadelphia 76 is the first one that comes to mind, they settled their moves a little earlier in the day, so then they were kind of out of it by the end of the trade deadline. And it essentially boiled down to... Um, the Raptors owner, Masai Ujiri, looking at Pat Riley going, all right, Riley, um, I want Tyler Hero if we're ever going to talk anything for Lowry. And then he turned to the Lakers and said, all right, Lakers, uh, we want uh, Taylor Horton Tucker. And both sides were like, no, we do not want to give up either of these players. We both cherish them as very good young players. Um, uh, for, as, for as bad as Hero has, well, maybe not, maybe not bad, as, as much as he has struggled this season, especially with the shooting, the Heat obviously still value Hero. So both teams drew the lines, and the three GMs just kind of stood pat, and then the trade deadline passed, and nobody ended up making the trade because nobody budged. So it then looked like Miami would just walk away with the day with just having Bielitsa, which is, was fine, and then the call came in, because uh, even, though, even though we had passed a trade deadline, there is a rule that stipulates that essentially, so long as you have the call going in before 3 o'clock, you can just kind of wait in the queue until it's your turn to actually tell the league, hey, this is, we are the, you know, these are the teams and this is what we're going to do and finalize the trade that way. So you can still do that, which is why a few minutes after 3 o'clock, the news broke that Miami was acquiring Victor Oladipo, which there's been a lot of talk for Oladipo wanting to go to Miami. And yes, he did have those seasons where, sorry, he had that season in Indiana where he was an all-star and looked like a phenomenal player, and that's when like the talk to Miami really got big because it's like, hey, hey, we could uh, we could get this All Star guy in. He got injured. He struggled coming back. So first thing for me that I thought of when I saw that was like, okay, Victor Oladipo, I like that. What's the return? And then eventually we found out that it was just for Kelly Olynyk, uh, Avery Bradley, and a 2022 first round swap, which. Very unlike. So let's let's break that down real quick. So the biggest loss for Miami is obviously Kelly Olynyk, who has he's had some up and down play for Miami, never really quite um, like like if we think back to the twenty seventy contract twenty seventeen contracts. Dion Waiters, uh, James Johnson, Kelly Olynyk. Kelly Olynyk was definitely the best of the three. Debatable whether he like fully lived up to the contract. But he definitely was the, 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 we got the most value out of him. So that was the biggest loss for Miami. Um, I will miss Kelly Olinick. Kelly O'Mai Linick. Always love that one. But um, he, he's hopefully on to better stuff. But like I said earlier, we got Bielitsa to put Olinick into a trade package. And at the end of the day, we all, like, Olinick, again, the inconsistency. And a little bit of the problems, just the lack of athleticism for on the defensive end. Sometimes, um, very good positional defender, but uh, athletically a little limited just because of his size and lack of mobility. Uh, so that's why, through the heat, you're you're fine moving on from that. 
they also gave up Avery Bradley, who theoretically it would do great for Miami's defense because usually the thing that Miami um, gets hurt the most at on defense is still containing attacking guards. Usually that's being left up to Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and they're, they're just not quite defensively up for that part. So that was where Avery Bradley was supposed to fill in. However, um, one, he's been injured quite a lot this season, has not gotten to really play, and two, on top of him not playing, Miami still had a top 10 defense. He's He is icing on the cake, um, but conversely, the, he will, again, the, as the phrase implicates, he's not necessary to them having an elite defense. So again, that as well, perfectly fine moving on. And then the last part, this is like the, probably the most baffling part, I think, for me personally, is a 2022 first-round swap. So essentially, the Rockets are making a bet that they will be better than Miami literally next offseason so that they will have the higher pick and they can then swap for the lower pick with Miami, which <laughs> even if they're the most optimistic, I mean, there, there's a Rockets fan I know. He was just um, despondent today, and I, I really do feel for him because, like, unless Miami just gets devastated with injury or something, there's no way that they're going to end up conveying that pick, that first-round swap next season. It's just not going to happen. Houston is in a rebuilding phase. Miami's in a contention phase with Jimmy Butler. So, end of the day, really, they just gave up Kelly Olynyk and Bradley for Oladipo, who is potentially, and again, they got to stress that word a lot, potentially um, an all-star level player. It's just it's a fantastic, fantastic steal for Miami. Pat Riley is a god still. So let's dive into the Oladipo side of things. That's probably the most uh, flashy part of what Miami has done over this trade deadline. So we think about like maybe the worst case scenario for Oladipo, right? So the worst case scenario for Oladipo would be that he never really recovers and he just kind of becomes what he's been most of this season, which is good on the defensive end. Like he still has good instincts. He still moves pretty well for the most part, uh, knows, knows where to be positionally. But offensively, while he has put up points and he has produced, it really has not been terribly efficient. However, you'd have to imagine playing on the Miami Heat, it would be one of those things where, like, he would just get less shots, so it's either his, his impact is going to be minimized by having less shots, or he's just going to learn how to be more efficient or get better looks, which would be fantastic. But uh, for the first part, again, we're... We're looking mainly at like what happens if this is the worst case scenario where he just he never really improves or anything like that. Okay, then he walks in the offseason. Miami got to see him up close, got to see what he could do, and found out beforehand that he wouldn't really fit their fit their system. They don't have to gamble on him in the offseason, um, like the plan seemed like it would originally be. And in exchange for that, Miami gave up Kelly Olynyk, who is not really that necessary considering we have Trevor Ariza and Bielitsa that can more or less fill in those roles and probably at a, at a better rate than Olynyk could for what we really needed out of him. And Avery Bradley, who get, hasn't really made much for the team this year just because of the injuries, unfortunately, and a 2022 second that isn't first on swap that isn't most likely going to swap. So even in the worst case scenario of Oladipo doesn't really do anything for Miami and ends up walking in the offseason, 
okay, we, we did not give up much. So low risk. It's extremely low risk. But it's the high reward side of things that really kind of takes us over the top. So Victor Oladipo, uh, for the Indiana Pacers, when he first got there, he pretty much played like an all-star level until he got a ruptured quad tendon, and he's kind of really struggled to get back. So on the other side of things, if the worst-case scenario is essentially Miami took a low-risk move and it just didn't pan out, but it didn't really cause any long-term damage at all. The other side of things is, obviously would be something along the lines of like, Victor Oladipo returns to all-star level, he's happy because he's in Miami, like he's wanted to, he fits in, and then boom, we have three all-star level players in Bam Adebayo, Victor Oladipo, and Jimmy Butler. We're ready to go and can contend with just about anybody in the East. Um... Brooklyn, obviously, is the one that still comes to mind as the biggest threat. But Victor Oladipo is Indiana Pacers pre-injury Oladipo. Miami can roll with the Nets in a seven-game series. Uh, that all said, I do, like, if I, if I were to give an, uh, what I would, I would consider a realistic outlook for how Oladipo is going to do, I would probably say something along the lines of, like, he will, he will start for the Heat. I, I think that's almost certain that he will start for the Heat. And from there, he'll he'll do all on the defensive end. I think he could actually, like, Miami is an elite defense. I think he can actually help out Miami's defense and improve them even more just, just because um, I do think highly of him defensively. Offensively, it's going to be the question of what's the balance going to be between his shot reduction and how much better, how much more efficient can he be with the shots that he'll then get. Um, I, I would hope he doesn't gripe because Spo and Butler and all of them are not going to take that if he does try to gripe about shots. I just hope that he fits in from there. It's, it's what does he look like now that he's in Miami's system with Miami's doctors and trainers? Can they get him closer to that level? I feel confident they can. I, I feel hesitant to say that he would necessarily return to all-star form. Um, almost certainly not this season. He still had some nagging injuries this season, and this this season's been just so weird with all the COVID stuff going on. Uh, it if he can get uh, just just look consistent. If he can look consistent and contribute on both ends by the end of this season, uh, and he's shown that level of improvement from inefficient score to consistent solid score, then I would probably imagine Miami would bring him back. And I would feel I would feel much much better. I think that's probably the realistic expectation is Olodipo consistently produces um, not be, better than a role player, uh, like a solid starter. I, I would hope he would be. So not quite to the level of like a role player, not quite to the level of a star player, because I think it would take more than a truncated season in Miami coming in at the trade deadline for him to really get back into heat shape and, you know, try to get back to that uh, more star level. But if he can just be a solid starter on both ends for Miami, that just makes them so much better. And not only to win games and try to solidify their their spot, avoiding the playing games um, this year, but also going into the playoffs as the Miami tried, to, Miami Heat tried to repeat their finals run 
with much tougher competition this year. Overall, including the Ariza trade from last week, which again, for that, they just had to give up Myers Leonard in a 2027 second round pick. So when you look at the, the three moves in together, bringing in Ariza, uh, Bielitsa, and Oladipo, and really not giving up anything out of their core rotation outside of Kelly Olenek, who kind of became a little bit uh, redundant again because of the other moves that they had made. That's just a great trade deadline for, for the Miami Heat and for Pat Riley. Like, again, yes, it is not – they did not make the, the huge flashy play. They weren't the Chicago Bulls bringing in an all-star in Vucevic that can help solidify a playoff uh, spot for them. Nor were they the Magic who very wisely leaned into an actual rebuild – by just stripping down the excess parts of the franchise and trying to get good stuff in return. The Heat said, all right, these are the cards that we have to play. How can we play them? Uh, there was talk of including Robinson in for the Lowry trade, so very clearly they, it wasn't that they were trying to hold on to any of their cards too tight. The Hero, um, not budging on Hero, I, I still think is the right move in the long run. Just... Again, I cross my fingers and hope that I'm right and not wrong. We'll see. This is how it goes. You always have to make a calculated risk at some point. But really, the Heat played their hand well. They made some moves around the fringes. They took a low-risk, high-reward chance in Victor Oladipo, and they did it all for players. So essentially giving up the, the last of the infamous 2017 contracts in Kelly Olynyk and shipping off pretty much the players that they had signed, uh, most of the players they had signed in the last offseason, Bradley, Harkless, and Leonard, none of which ended up really being impactful for Miami this season. So not the flashiest, but in terms of like, it's like efficiency kind of thing. Miami was extremely efficient with the trade deadline this year, if that makes sense. And most importantly of all, they are better set up now to go into the playoffs and make some noise and try to repeat their finals run. Um, coming from the Nets in the conference finals now. Sorry, Sixers. But for now, we still have the rest of the season to get through. And I have to say that not only were the trades good just from like a broader perspective of how is Miami going to fare in the playoffs and how are they going to do this season, they really were, I think, good just from the perspective of after the last week, Miami really needed a bit of a shakeup. They got, the, they got the mess kicked out of them by the Pacers twice on the home court. And then that Suns lost on Tuesday was just uh, absolutely soul-crushing. And arguably, you could say that if you're Pat Riley and you're looking at that team Tuesday, you really can see that they needed a shakeup. Even even something like Bielitsa, that that might have been a little bit of a shakeup enough. Uh, bringing in Oladipo as well, I think, is a significant enough shakeup that the team will have some, you know, they'll be a little re-energized and they'll be ready to go. And most importantly, they'll be able to, uh, players like Hero and Robinson, who were brought up in trade talks a lot, they can at least finally, you know, give a little bit of a sigh of relief and say, okay, cool, we're, we're no longer in the trade block. We can just focus on staying on the team and hopefully focus on knocking down some more shots because we really, really do need them to be spacers. Uh, with that said, though, last night, unfortunately, was the game against the Trailblazers, and this was a game that Miami lost. It did come down close. Miami was also without Butler or Dragic, and really ended up being a 125-122 loss with the Blazers with almost full hands on deck. 
Adebayo had an absolutely huge game, 29 points, 13 to 16, five blocks, nine rebounds, seven assists. He was just an absolute monster on both ends of the floor. Uh, this is something that we have seen before. Like We have seen stat stuffing just soul-crushing on both ends of the floor, Bam Adebayo. It just usually comes in games where Butler is out, so it's almost like it's been... It's forced upon Adebayo at that point. Like, you are the only all-star on the floor, therefore you ha- everything has to run through you and you have to be aggressive. And uh, clearly he can do it, and it's more so just the issue of, all right, he is putting up all these stats, he just doesn't really have somebody else at that star level to help him out. Like, we had no Drogic, we had no Butler tonight. Like, we did not have, and obviously we don't have Oladipo yet because uh, the trade happened earlier to earlier in the day. So Adebayo just doesn't have anybody else to really help step up with him. And so the, the good part of it is, hey, Adebayo can, can hit that level. He can be that super aggressive and still super efficient machine on both ends. So please, please do it when Butler's there. And Miami could win some more games that way. Uh, but still, you know, it's, he's still a very young player, and you just kind of just hope that he keeps keeps taking away from it. Tonight though, he was an absolute monster. In addition, he did get he did get some help tonight. That's why the, the game was still close. Uh, most impressively, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, who along with Olenek, were just marred in terrible shooting over the last week. It was part of part of the reason why Miami had such a skid against the Pacers and the Suns was just the terrible shooting from Olenek, Robinson and Hero. Uh, Linux no longer on the team now, and Robinson and Hero tonight both di- played pretty well. Robinson ended up shooting four of six from three. He definitely looked like he had a bit more pep in the step, and Hero as well, while li- below 50% from, from the field at 9 of 19, went a sw- way over 50%, 5 of 9 from three, dropping 29 points, and also like Robinson, looking much more energetic. So just kind of like... If you're if you're gonna play uh was it armchair psychiatrist and you're looking at the team, I would say that Robinson and Hero look very happy that they no longer have to worry about trade rumors and things like that. Which, uh, if tonight is the start of them breaking out of that slump and just getting back to being amazing three point shooters, Miami's offense is about to go up a whole nother level. And Miami gets another chance later tonight to uh, put that back to the test. They got the Charlotte Hornets up next, who will unfortunately be without LaMelo Ball, who had a season-ending injury. But this is still a solid Hornets team uh, that Miami should be able to take care of. Uh, with that, And then that way they can try to get back to, again, solid. The next goal is solidify the one of the four or five or six spots and avoid the play-in tournament entirely. That's Miami's goal for the remainder of the season. And if things start to look better... Like the best case scenario is to solidify the four and four spot and have home court advantage, but just to, again, just to recap the whole thing, Miami did an extremely efficient, effective job with the hand that they were dealt. They were able to get rid of, they were able to use fringe out of rotation pieces and pick swaps that probably won't convey in a twenty twenty seven second round pick to essentially retool their roster, doing uh, getting rid of players that didn't pan out and bringing in players that can actually be on the rotation, if not for the playoffs, at least for the regular season, as they look to solidify 
uh, a four through six spot. With that all said, though, uh, that's all for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at KBR Heat Nation and the podcast Twitter uh, at Heaters Heating. Also, be sure to check out the OTG Podcast Network at OTG Basketball on Twitter. Uh, I do thank you for checking in and have a great one.